I'm your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small business owners. Uh, Hello, humans. I'm your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small business. Uh, I talk with sales and HR experts, other business owners, and anyone else that can provide you with information to clear your way to success. Uh, Today's topic, communication. Uh, My guest today is Jeremy Wiedenhofer, owner of Chitwood Communications. Jeremy graduated from Indiana University Bloomington with a bachelor's in public and environmental affairs. Uh, He then attended the University of Pittsburgh to receive his master's in public and international affairs. Uh, Jeremy spent the next few years in the corporate world as an account manager before transitioning over to the government. Uh, He spent the next 12 years within the government and Department of State where he was responsible for creating the Presidential Daily Brief, building national security solutions, and collaborating with the FBI and the military on high-stakes situations. In 2020, uh, Jeremy started Chitwood Communications. Chitwood Communications gives you the resources, knowledge, and confidence to elevate your interpersonal and sales skills uh, that will help you to grow your business. Uh, Jeremy, thanks for being a guest on Clearing the Way. Any Anything else to add to that? I kept it kind of kind of broad. And, um, no, you, I, I thought you captured it well. Um, it's a pretty diverse background. Uh, the, the common denominator across all of it is communicating. So. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, that's going to be the topic for the day. We're going to talk about... Um, how to improve communication, uh, but but let's start with what we're uh, so communication. Everyone, first thing that you think is um, you know the way that we speak to each other. Uh, but what else are we talking to talking about uh, when we're saying we're trying to improve communication or ways to improve your communication? What are, what are we referring to? I think it comes down to you know being memorable and making sure your your information sticks. Um, I also think it has to do with how well we listen. So one of the things I like to focus on is, is also listening as the, the correct mechanism to communicate better. Um, com- communications also covers nonverbals. So the better we are in sync with the other person or the panel or the audience, right? I think that, yeah, communications is, is yes, it's the verbal, but it's also the nonverbal and our ability to, to be on receive mode so that our output is better. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, okay. So then, so there's a, I, I actually recorded you while you were at the speaker series over at Ignite um, a little while ago. So um, my thought here was while you were giving that, uh, that presentation, there were a, a few different topics that I wanted to ask you questions about. So sure. now I have a, an, a, the ability to do so. Um, so let's start with um, how this actually relates to small business owners. Um, that's, that's who the show is devoted to. So where, you know, it seems like something that's very easy to overlook um, in, you know, if I, if I have time to, to improve myself as a small business owner, communication is probably not going to be the top of my list. Um, but why should it be up there? Like what, what are those things that it actually impacts that I'm not thinking about as a business owner? I think it, it matters because in all the functions of a small business owner, starting with, you know, the plan, um, how you're going to execute it, how you're going to present it, pitch it, Um, You know, you're going to be in front of uh, funding resources. You're going to be in front of uh, clients probably as soon as you can be. And, you know, you are communicating and selling and listening, um, I think, from the start. And that includes uh, how well you write up a business plan and then how well you verbally pitch it. So 
there's this, this uh, like I said earlier, common denominator for small business owners that in every stage that, that they're in, early, um, you know, mid, mid growth, and then once, you, once you're really fully up and running and growing, um, you know, you'll be communicating with, with clients, with other businesses, um, with banks, uh, with, with, you know, uh, someone who owns a building where you're trying yeah. to get in on. Employees. So, and, yep. Yeah. Uh, especially with employees. So how well you communicate, read people, listen, that is going on from, from conception, I guess, yeah. is the way to put it. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, one of the first things that, that stuck out to me was this, uh, and I feel like this is probably the most most common of, uh, of or the, maybe the easiest to notice, but potentially not that easy to, to, um, to improve, is the, this, this idea of like the jargon, crutches, all these fillers. <laughs> I know I've got a ton of them. Um, I've had friends point them out from this show. Um, but but so why are why do those things happen? Well, I guess let's start with what do we mean by that, and then how do we improve that? Why are we doing that? Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of leave it leave it there. So I, I don't think everyone's very comfortable with silence. That's one reason why we fill the gap with. Um, well, I just said um, um right? Yeah. Uh, oh, there I go again. Uh, we just we have this tendency to to not let it go silent. When we can't express ourselves with clarity of thought, we go to phrases, jargon, cliches. I think the the problem with doing that is is not that you do it once or twice. You know, once you get into a groove, you're probably less likely to do it. But when, and I put this up on the screen when I'm in front of groups, when we are repeat offenders, it eventually builds up to almost like a wall. It is a wall between your your you your audience or whoever you're talking to and your clarity, your point, you you being concise. And if you become that person who's constantly yeah. uh, you know doing that, if you're the person who is constantly beginning sentences with the word honestly. Um if 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 you're doing things like that, you know one one thing that stands out on podcasts is people say, Oh, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. And that is true. I think a lot of people genuinely feel that way. And I do too, when I get asked questions, but if I, am I, if I say that every single time to every single question that you're going to ask me today, well, the one time that I don't do it, it's almost like, well, I, what's wrong with that question? Yeah. So, so why do people do it? We, we need to fill space. Um, I think that people uh, get nervous. People are uncomfortable. And so, they have, uh, just call it diary of the mouth, mm -hmm. and they want to fill, and they want to fill, and they want to tell. And especially for small business owners, we have a lot to tell people. We have really important things that we want to say. It is especially important to say it with clarity and to be precise and to reinforce those points so that that stands out, not the cliche, the jargon. Yeah, and I think some of that can, just preparing better probably helps that a lot. Yes. Um, because... Like the like you mentioned, those pauses or the, those those points where it's you're filling this uncomfortable air, mm -hmm. you're gathering your thoughts most of the time or trying to figure out what's next. But the preparation can kind of help that. Uh, you're not going to be able to get rid of all of it, but like you said, it's it's when it becomes a distraction. Yes, um, that's where it's a problem because I don't know. Like you got to gather your thoughts sometimes, and you're going to probably have those. Sure, you can get rid of a lot of it, but. Um, yeah, like you're 
you're going to have it. You're going to have it. So yes. how do you how do you just mitigate that? Um, and I think the preparation does help that a lot. I agree. Uh, can I make a point about that? Yeah. The most important lesson or the greatest learning experience I had was recording myself and then watching it and listening to to myself. I don't know if you do that with your podcast, but the greatest yeah. um, uh, growth that I had as a speaker and as a communicator was in, in a class. Uh, recording some briefings I was doing and then going back and analyzing it. And it is both painful and the best <laughs> learning experience you can do. That preparation, along with watching yourself and learning from it, and it can be as simple as using your cell phone uh, and recording yourself before you give that, that, that pitch or that idea as a small business owner. Um, boy, you can really cut out a lot of distractions that you're going to do with your hands, with your eyes, with with verbal crutches that mm -hmm. we were just talking about. Preparation. I, I'm glad you, you used that word. Um, preparation and practice. That is how we start to chisel off. And, and I, use, I always put up a picture of, um, of a scalpel. You know, we want to mm -hmm. cut these out little as as we go, little by little. You know, very few people are the perfect speaker and, and pitch person for a small business, but we can get better on this. I, I put up a picture of the, the band journey and I'm like, this this idea of getting better at communicating as a small business owner is a journey. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a destination, but practice uh, recording and, and really acknowledging and thinking about these things will ultimately, ultimately make you a better small business owner. Yeah, with the... Uh I I listen to not every one of these. I mean, I have to listen to to cut, but um, actually listening to them through once they're once they're posted. I every once in a while I will, but I the first of this style that I did I listened to it was with Stephanie Masters. Um, I listened through it and I was like, okay, it can because I, I took the same approach that I took to the other ones, which are less structured, and and I caught it. I was like, oh, okay. There needs to be more preparation for this, like to cut out a lot of these fillers, a lot of this dead air where I'm trying to figure out what's next, uh, which is good, you know, yeah. within the course of the conversation. But um, but that it does. I mean, that's a, a good example of just yeah. listening back through to what I what I was doing uh, and being able to, to notice. And um, most people are probably their worst critics. So um, maybe not most, but but, you know, listen through and and see where you're, where you struggle um, and where to improve. Yeah, that's really important. Um, I was thinking of an analogy since you used to play football. I, I often hear football coaches say the, the greatest uh, leap in, in um, performance is between games one and two during a football season because there's, there's preparation, there's practice, there's practice, there's two a days, and then finally you get to a game. And usually, not every time, but there's some things to work out after that first game mm -hmm. that is a huge leap between game one and game two compared to four and five, between six and seven, because things just pop out. Mm -hmm. Things really stand out on film that you can't escape, all right? The eye in the sky doesn't lie. So, therefore, for football, it's, it's, it's true for small business owners. Um, if you can get video or audio of yourself early, that will be a huge, I think, improvement for, for later on and as, as you know during the trajectory of the business. So, so in that same uh, in that same space, how, what about recording the actual conversations? I don't know. I mean, obviously, you got to like, hey, I'm going to record this. Is <laughs> that something that you have done or? 
could recommend, like, I haven't done that and I haven't really thought about that, but, um, until this conversation, but is that something, because it, it kind of like, you can practice it and listen to that, but it's not going to be the same as that first presentation. True. Um, hmm. you I don't know how awkward that would be to ask like, Hey, I'm here to, to pitch you on this. Like I'm here to sell you my services, but also do you mind if we record this just for both? Like, I mean, I guess if, if you make that, that, uh, that introduction correctly, that could work, but, um, I don't know, just a thought like, yeah, you, you use the word awkward. I think it is awkward, but let's just talk about in the right environment. If you are inviting people into your own place of business and you let them know up front that, you know, if this is my first or second time doing this or, or any type of client engagement, if it's on your home turf, compared to walking into somebody else's home Slapping or Slapping down a recorder and saying, hey, yeah, I'm going right. to record this conversation. <laughs> More awkward. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd pay to watch that, though. Yeah. Um, but if it's at your own place of business and you tell people up front, you know, this is a very authentic, genuine statement. I'd like to record this because I want to get better at it. You might get some no's or, yeah. or maybe you got to calibrate it so that, hey, I'm not going to record your faces yeah, and yeah, some yeah. of your comments. But I, what I'm, I'd like to get better with, with my own communications. Yeah. That's something to consider. I, you know what? Think of how difficult it is starting up a business. Can we afford ourselves some awkwardness to get better? I'm open to that idea. Yeah, and I think, like you just said, if you, if you approach it from a, like, hey, I'm not very good at this, or maybe not that. That's probably not a good way to approach it. But like, hey, I'm trying to improve. Um, would you mind if I did this? That might work. That'll probably be a little bit better than um, trying to come up with some other reason like that isn't yeah. real. Um, Authenticity and being genuine in the ask yeah. goes very far. Yeah. Um, it's similar to, to, to the crutch language um, challenge. How do we get over that? Well, one of the things is... Instead of just filling that space with nonsense, um, like in the movie Tommy Boy, a few times before he turns the corner and gets better at sales, he's just talking away. And then a couple of people say, like, get the heck out of my <laughs> office. Um, I've always found it, I thought, to, to be very valuable to say, you know, that's, that's a great question, as long as you're not saying that every time. Yeah. But I'd like to give that some, some real thought. Um, can I come back to that question? And especially in the dialogue, if it is a potential sale interaction with clients, that's also an opportunity to make sure you can come back and have a second meeting with them too. That's kind of a sales tool okay. to say, I want to give that some thought. Um, I'd like to, uh, to, to put some thought in that overnight, or, or can we, can we talk about that next week? Because you want to put your best foot forward. You want to have the best possible information. Um, and so I think that, that you can afford yourself a little bit. You can ask for grace, yeah. I think, is the way to put it. Okay. Um, any other than the recording and, and kind of analyzing things that way, are there any other tricks to I, – I, actually, I think the more important thing is how do you know if you're doing it too much, the, the fillers and some oh. of those things? Like what are the – it's easy when you're listening. It's easy when you're listening to some of those things to, um, I always, the, the thing that happens when I notice that, as soon as I notice it, then that's the only thing that I'm noticing now, which is yeah. where it's a distraction. And then you start like counting, oh, this is the 38th time you said, um, or right. whatever it is. Uh, but other than recording it, 
Are there any indicators from whoever you're speaking to that that's happening? You'll see sometimes if there's a, a, a go-to move that you use, you're going to see it in their eyes or in their nose. People are going to start wrinkling their face because if you say when you really oh, – this, this drives me nuts um, when I hear this repeatedly. Well, when you really think about it, if, if people are saying that, what they're really saying is think about it my way. <laughs> so when – or you're wrong, Jeremy – you got to think about it this way. So when I hear, if I'm in a conversation, business conversation, or just personal conversation, well, when you really think about it, well, I am thinking about mm -hmm. it, okay? Usually, there are some you know, kind of, this pivots a little bit into nonverbal, but you can usually see it um, in their face. You know, okay. our bodies ooze the truth. And when we get annoyed or, or we just repeatedly hear that phrase, you know, when you really think about it, eventually I just start disengaging. Did you see what I just did? I, I pulled away a little bit. So, yes, you can practice it. Yes, you can record yourself. But to be very present in the moment, you're going to see little signposts and indicators from the other person. Hey, they're right with me on this. Mm -hmm. Okay, we are really in sync. But if I keep using that phrase, if I am constantly the quotation person, um, if you're doing some Tommy boy nonsense, you're going to see it in the person. It's going to come out of them non-verbally that they're like, why does this guy keep saying that? Okay. So I, I would say look for it. Okay. Okay. That's good. Um, okay. Uh, anything else with, uh, with those jar, with the jargon, the fillers, some of those things that we should be aware of or how to improve though? Any, anything else? I feel like we've, we've gotten kind of. Uh, we've covered a lot there. Listen for it in others. Um, there's someone in my neighborhood who, mm. um, what's his favorite word? Literally. I love this guy. And, and he literally uses literally uh -huh. in a lot of his sentences. Often like there's a character in Parks and Rec, Rob Lowe, um, begins all of his sentences with literally, uh, or he works it in. So listen for it. And you're going to find when you're better in tune and you're better listening to someone, you're going to see and hear things that are like, boy, that's their crutch. That's the jargon they always use. That's their go-to line. Boy, they use it every other sentence. Mm -hmm. And now you, start, you, you understand that feeling of there's blockage. You're on the receiving end, uh, receiving end of it. And you're you're going to be better at yourself because you're going to realize I don't want I don't want to do that. Yeah, and I, I think something to um, to like keep in mind, especially with something like this, because these are uh, they're not quick fix. Like you can't just notice it and now I don't use jargon anymore. Like at least I'm assuming you can't just do that. Maybe, but it's going to take some time. As long as you are starting to notice. Um, and starting to improve it, that's, I mean, that's a long-term fix that you're trying to do. Like, that is not a, I noticed it, I just listened to this video, I am never going to use um again. <laughs> that, right. that ain't going to happen. <laughs> How many times have I said it so far? Yeah. And the point you just made, using your hands, that was a journey gesture, yeah. okay? And that's why I, I put up the picture of the band, to reinforce it. You need to work on this, okay? You can't run a marathon tomorrow. Can you run a marathon in six months? I'm asking you. Do you uh, think you could? Uh, six months. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if if that's my if I know that that's coming up in yeah. six months, I th I could probably finish it. Yeah. 
Okay. I don't think I would do well. Okay. And I would be in a lot of pain after. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> right, right. And there'd be a lot of walking. I think I could get through it, though. If I had to get through it, I think I could. You'd have a chance in six months <laughs> yeah. with preparation yeah, yeah. on a journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, hey, tomorrow, you want to join me in a marathon? And no, like, I'm nope. out. No, no <laughs> thanks. Um, yeah, okay. So uh, the next the next thing that I thought uh, that I thought was going to be – kind of interesting to cover. You, you covered the power of three. Um, and I, I guess I'll, I'll start with just kind of explain that to me um, and to everybody else. And then let's kind of dive into that a little bit. The power of three, I think, is the easiest way for a small business owner to tell their idea and their story to make it digestible and memorable. So, I started getting into this topic because I've listened to a lot of speakers who have a 10-point plan or an 8-point plan. I've heard speakers who teach classes on um, how, to, how to be effective communicators. And I'm thinking of somebody who spent a lot of time in the White House, and I, I listened to a speech that this person gave. Um, and they had an 8-point plan that they wanted to share with a bunch of uh, folks in government. And I thought to myself... I think we're all going to remember the first, second, third, maybe the fourth one, mm -hmm. but why an eight-point plan? So I started, I started Googling it um, and, and effective presentations and effective speakers, and, and, and I kept seeing this, uh, this idea, and then it finally got captured in a blog that I wrote, The Power of Three. So as children, we, we are read books when we are toddlers and babies that have three in it. Okay, can you think of any children's books with three in it? I put you on the spot. I'll I'll help you here. Yeah, um, help me out three here. blind mice. So <laughs> three little pigs. I remember, three little pigs. Right. Through the presentation. Okay. <laughs> so there's three. Three is digestible. Three creates a pattern. Three is a one, two, and a three. It just it's 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 easier to grasp, retain, and remember in three segments. Now, I, I'd always use that in sales, but this was really reinforced in government. So when we would tell a story, something happened that changed the narrative on a national security issue. And the way we would write about it was in three steps. What just happened? That's the news. Okay. So that's kind of kept real short. Um, and then the next section was, okay, um, so what? what? What does this mean right now? Okay, something happened, something in the immediacy uh, is going to change or it affects and, and there's a change in, in the trajectory of, of a group or a country or a person. And then the third one was now what? And we tell it, we use the power of three when we would write um, for the president and for other government leaders who, by the way, are very busy who don't have a lot of time for everybody in their day. And if they're going to see me, they're going to see about 20 of me that day. Mm -hmm. That is, sorry, that is directly <laughs> applicable for a small business owner. You have a short amount of time usually. You want to be as effective as possible. You want to be as memorable as possible. Tell your story in a segment of three. And it might be, here's just one idea that, that we, I, I propose to usually a group and then we talk about it. Um, you've identified using qualifying questions, either some pain or something that needs to be fixed with somebody. Um, you have a solution for it. And then now that there's this new outcome, there's this new way of working, you're saving time, you're saving money. Pain, solution, 
a new way of doing things. And that is um, how a small business owner can hand it, uh, can pitch their ideas. There's a lot of ideas in how to frame it. But I just think that three is very important for people to consider. Okay. And I, I think, I don't know, I feel like we always try to complicate things. Um, and we've talked about this in other shows dealing with other things, but I think it kind of goes back to that same point. Uh, or or it, it is also um, present in this where it's, Kind of trim these. It, it's the same with jargon. It's the same with a lot of it, a lot of it, actually. Trimming things down to here's a really good structure for how to lay out this sale, or here's a good way to communicate this point. And it's there's not a lot of the fat. Um, if you're telling a story, like as a as an author or something, some fat's good, but but it it still adds to the story um, in the long run. I don't know if this this is making a lot of sense, but. Um, but I think it, the, this power of three concept is, is the same. It, it's just trimming out a lot of these things that aren't necessary so that you can be memorable and they know what you're, what you're trying, yeah. what the point is to get across. I think as small business owners, we're tempted to say a lot. Like we have a great idea. We've got great services. We, we've been working on a business plan and, and, and potentially getting funded and, or uh, finding space. And we finally have a product and a service we're going to deliver. It's a lot of information that we want to get out there, right? Mm -hmm. It needs to be concise. It needs to be focused. And I think, um, that trying to frame that information, your story, your pitch in segments of three, it just allows people to retain it better. Now, consider the backdrop that you're talking to somebody about your services. What's going on in 2022 compared to like 10 years ago, compared especially to 20 years ago? People are getting information faster and they're moving on from it faster too. So they're scrolling through using their cell phone. They're doing this. Mm -hmm. They're swiping to delete. Our attention spans are decreasing, and you can. That's very findable if you Google it and you and you look at some of these academic research, um, uh, you know, projects and reports. Our attention span has probably dropped in the past twenty years from about eight to ten minutes to three to five minutes with someone who's speaking to us. And there's a pivot point after three to five minutes. Hey, I'm either going to stay with Jeremy or I'm going to mentally drift. That's another reason. That is another reason. When you are telling your story, tell it in segments of three because it's probably going to be more concise and refined than an eight-point, ten-point plan. So I don't know if we actually know the answer to this, but is it that our attention span is becoming shorter or our, um, our willingness to sit through things that we are not interested in is becoming less? Because you look at – sure, we're, we're going to say it's three minutes now. But I'll listen to you talk for 20 minutes or an hour or I'll listen to a podcast that's four hours long if it's something I'm interested in. Yes. And, and there are some of those, those examples. Now, is that the most common? No. But I, I, I don't know. It I feels like it's – there's so much information. We have access to so much that yeah. it's just that I have less patience for things I'm not interested in. So, yeah. so how do we use that to make sure that those we're, we're capturing our audience quicker? Is that yeah, I, I think of it in terms of, okay, how much information? Well, whatever amount of information that you are going to present in five minutes or 30 minutes or, you know, an hour long podcast, mm -hmm. 
try and divvy it up into thirds so that people okay. know there's an end and a beginning and they made uh, this point this point and here's and, and, and the last point was made that that helps me frame and uh, uh, you know the information that when I'm on receive mode now the content itself is a little bit of a different discussion in order to hook people and in order to in order to keep their attention the content itself is a little bit of a different conversation, equally important as to if you are framing it in a 10-point plan versus a, a three-point conversation, um, the content and how you frame your story, your pitch, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that matters just as much. But I just I believe when you are thinking about a discussion in front of people, when you are thinking about... Um, you know, going to the bank or going to a, a funding source, whatever it is, uh, a group of students that I've been in front of, I try to, to think of three pillars. I'm going to tell them A, B, and C. I'm going to reinforce those points. Um, I, I went through a couple of corporate sales training programs. And in fact, one of the guys said, um, hey, when you think of your appointment and your pitch, tell them two things so that they remember one. And now that's really chiseling it down. Um, so I think it needs to be framed in, in the right manner so that it, you can help or make it more digestible. But, you're, you, you know, the question kind of got into content. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do, how do, now how do I frame this and tell this, this particular story? That matters. That yeah. really matters. Yeah. Um, so we've talked a lot about the sales side of things and the the pitching and and all of that um but does this uh does this also translate to handling employees or dealing with uncomfortable situations in within your within your organization or uh, within your business or how how do those things well i'll leave it at that does it relate to that and how can we use this power of three um concept yeah in those situations i often think of of meetings with employees um determining up front is this going to be a a, um, a discussion meeting or is this going to be a declarative one of those two okay either orders are coming down and there is a new way of doing things or we're changing how we're doing things and it's less of a discussion. Open-ended discussions means that there's uh, we've got to have a little bit of a free flow. Um, we have to brainstorm. Maybe we're sitting and talking for 20 minutes. Maybe this goes an hour or mm-hmm. two. But I've, I've, I've often sat in meetings where the person leading the meeting didn't really decide and think critically before the meeting. Is this a de- uh, a declarative or is this a discussion point? Whichever, uh, especially if it's a declarative, talking to employees on how things are done, I also believe that the power of three can be used in that in order to make things, um, you know, I keep using the word digestible, but I, I really think that's important because that means you take it on and, and you retain it, Okay. And I think that empl- uh, business owners can do that with their employees. So that's a model to do that. If there are open-ended discussions, if it's a critical conversation, yeah, you can use it there. But give yourself, a, I think, a little bit of space. Now, you're kind of like more in artwork than you are in science. And in artwork, that can take a lot of different turns if it mm-hmm. is a uh, discussion, yeah, a brainstorm session. Okay. Okay. Um 
And okay, that's all. That's all good. Um, confidence. Well, let's actually. <laughs> is there anything else with the power of three that that would be that we think is important for small businesses um, to be aware of, or or how to use those? Um, at the end, I've got some. Um, some scenarios that maybe we can kind of combine all of all of these topics. But uh, for now, is there anything anything else that, that you think we we missed? No, I, I think that was that was a good discussion. I mean, there's uh, depending on on how someone is selling or pitching something. I think any any uh, uh, um, goal of a meeting really can be structured in, into three so that um, it can be retained. There is a beginning, a middle, and, and an end. You know, there's a reason that Hollywood stories have, have an arc that that is mostly a three-part um, series, and that's how a lot of plays are written, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I bring that up along with what I mentioned earlier about the children's books. This is how people learn. This we are we are conditioned to do that, and so whether it's the small business owner talking to the employee, um, making a, a sales pitch to another business owner, or you know being at, at a bank or a credit union, um, this is how people retain and remember our information. So I think it's very powerful. Okay. Okay. So confidence. Um, Confidence is one of those, um, it's displayed a lot of different ways. Um, one of the things that always comes up is like eye contact and some of those types of things. Let's, I'll, I'll like give you a little bit of breathing room to just talk about that in general with communication. And then there's some questions as far as like confidence versus arrogance in communication and, and some of those types of things, but I'll just kind of kick it over and, and how do we, as small business owners, how how does that confidence, A, affect everything? Like, how is that affecting um, our pitches, our interactions with employees, um, vendors? How, how does that affect everything? And then how can we either make improvements or tone it down? Or, or how, how can we better, uh, yeah. Uh, confidence is going to be present in... Um, Verbal mode, receive mode, and then also in our nonverbals. I'll often begin this section of, of when I'm talking about, you know, confidence. I'll ask people, hey, what do we do with these, yeah. our hands, yeah. okay? So, you know, the way that we talk, you know, confidence has to come out as a genuine and authentic. You have decided to create a business or a service because you're passionate about it, you believe in it, and it needs to come out verbally, Okay, so that that means um, that your your product, your service is battle tested. It's working. It's working for others, and um, and and I think that how we talk, you know, sometimes less is more, and there's a lot of confidence that is displayed in, pe- in speakers that don't say a whole lot. I named my my company hmm. Chitwood after the movie Hoosiers. There's a, a character Jimmy Chitwood in it. And he doesn't really speak a whole lot, but one of the most powerful moments in the movie is during a timeout in the championship game, and everyone thinks that he's going to get the ball and hit the game-winning shot, but the coach um, calls for the play to go to somebody else, and he says, Jimmy is going to be a decoy. And he reads the body language 
of his teammates. They don't have confidence in this plan. They pull back from the huddle. They look away from their coach. They don't make eye contact with him because they've lost confidence in his plan. And Jimmy Chitwood just says three words, I'll make it. And so how we talk (laughs) really matters as far as being confident. Now, confidence is also expressed in, in how we listen, I think, too, because I think we all have something to learn from everybody. And if you are very confident in your product and your service, you can still learn from people. Walls don't need to be up. I, I think that's almost a sign of, of a lack of confidence. I don't want to learn from others. What if I'm wrong? What if mm-hmm. I could just slightly tweak what I'm doing because I'm not doing as well? I think confidence comes out in our ability to listen as well. And then finally, confidence in nonverbals. You know it. You see it. Um, now, there's a little bit of difference between lack of confidence and nervousness. So let's afford a little bit of leeway there. But one of the, one of, one of the great books I read, The Exceptional Presenter, um, our words in our hands, our words in our shoulders, they all have to match. One can't be confident and the other not confident, right? You know, broad shoulders, um, very, you know, hands are, 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 are gentle and they're composed. But the way you're speaking, it's like, yeah, I, I think what I have works and maybe you can use it and maybe this will go well. Well, okay, now you're, you're half confident. Your body's confident, but your words aren't. And, you, and it also happens, you know, vice versa. Mm-hmm. So confidence in communications is present and it is there to be, I guess, utilized in how we talk and how we listen and, and also our nonverbals. So that seems like another thing that to improve that practice, preparation is going to help that. Um, is that well i'll just what are how are how can we improve that like is that a i just need to record myself still um and kind of work through that or even i don't know it's it's more difficult to do that in i like i'll I'll just speak from my experience one of the things that early on can't come or came up you go to these like a networking event or something Mm -hmm. as a business owner and it's um, you don't really, you're early on, you have barely any experience in this. Some of that you're just going to gain from doing it more. Um, but how, is there a way to expedite that? Like, how can I get more confident in whatever it is that I'm, I'm selling or with my employee, I just, I have my first employee, like, I'm not incredible. I think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I barely know how this thing's still working. Like yeah. how, how can we, is there a way to expedite that learning curve? I like to watch people. I like to pick up on tools and confidence that I see in others. Okay. Now, there's Tony Robbins. Confident, a little too much energy for my liking. Same. But there's, but there's something to be said there about his confidence. Uh, Mike Tomlin, coach of the Steelers. When he speaks, I mean, he's... He, I. I He's always confident, whether he's talking about an injury report, whether he's um, he's talking about his critique and criticism of his own team, of his own co- coaching. He is confident about what he's saying. I, I think there's something to be learned from from others, other people around us. Just look for it. When you go to these business networking events, 
I think we can prepare ourselves just like you would prepare your content. You can prepare your body and your mind for confidence as well. I think one thing that matters going to these events is what happens in the 15 or 20 minutes before you walk in the door. What you think about and do 20 minutes before it's showtime, let's call it, really matters. I had a a sales trainer one time ask me, Jeremy, before you, you go into these events, you listen to the news in the car? I said, yeah, I do. He said, why do you, why do you listen? Or he asked me, what's on the news? And I was like, the news? And he said, hmm. bad news. That's what's on the news. Why are you going to filter your mind with negativity walking into a business networking group? So I, I want to make the point about preparation. Um, music affects our mood. Music takes me to different places. Mm-hmm. It takes me to my childhood. It takes me to playing athletics. It takes me um, to to really good times with friends. Okay, and then there's some other songs that remind me of difficult times in life. So how we prepare going to that, I think, um, you know, our, our mental confidence, our body language confidence can be shaped in preparation. Um, so I, I wanted to make that point. Now, walking into that event, yeah, there is a whole lot we can do in preparation to walk in with that confidence and kick things off with, you know, that first conversation with the first person you meet, um, shoulders wide, listening, uh, speaking with confidence, and that can be practiced. But some of this is just like you got to go out the and learn it. Yeah, you got to get, get the reps. Uh, yeah, in. great, yeah. great way to put it. Yeah. Um, so this, the, those like fifteen to twenty minutes beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, are there are there any tips and and I I mean like we're we're kind of using this networking event as something but I mean if you've got an uncomfortable conversation coming up with an employee or some big sales meeting or, or whatever it is I'm assuming that's still that chunk of time is still super important what are some of the things that we can be doing during that time to better prepare you mentioned the music you mentioned some of those things but um, yeah, what what should we be doing in that time to remove uh, any barriers sure. moving forward? I think of a sponge. You know, life happens. We get told bad news. We get we have problems and challenges at home or with work. We have to squeeze the sponge of all negativity before we head into that event. And I, and I like to put a picture up on my slides of a sponge. Um, this is a true story. I had a couple of business meetings in the afternoon, uh, two or three o'clock, and I got a call back from my dermatologist and I had a small spot on my shoulder that turned out to be cancerous. Now, it's, it was the kind that could be dealt with and cut out and wouldn't spread. But the fact that, you know, when you hear the phrase, you have cancer, it, 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 it just changes you. I should have canceled that 2 p.m. and the 3 p.m. I just wasn't mentally ready. I couldn't squeeze the sponge. But if you are going to go forward with those, those, those meetings and walking into a presentation, a networking event, I think you need to compartment Okay, we have things going on in our lives that can be dealt with later. Can we set aside what might be dragging us down mentally so that we can walk in with full confidence? And one way to think about it is I would like to accomplish, and then there's a fill in the blank. What would I Hmm. like to accomplish with this meeting, with meeting 10 people, with giving the sales pitch? And you focus on that end goal 
And in the 15, 20 minutes beforehand, you know, how do I get there? And if you can oh, wow. set aside okay. the, the negativity, look, it's not going to go away, but I need to be at my best mm-hmm. for the next hour. I'll deal with that. But for now, I'm going to squeeze the sponge. I'm going to think about my goal for this. And I'm going to go and take steps to accomplish the goal. I do that, but I sure like listening to music that puts me in that a great mood sometimes as well. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's a. Uh, it's way easier to focus on. I mean, anything it, like that. That kind of again that carries over to a lot of things where I got all this stuff going on. I need to accomplish this thing. Um, I can focus on that and. It's it's a lot easier to, to kind of push all the other things aside if I have a at least some type of some type of goal. It doesn't have to be super super specific, especially at like a networking. It could be like I want to talk to like four people and then I can get out of here. Okay, I could focus on that. Like something something like that. Um, okay, that's that's good. How about how about this one? Um, if you're walking in and you are confident, you're fully confident, and you get thrown a curveball, um, it's something that you don't know. I think one of the, the most important sentences for a small business owner, and, and I take this very seriously, is to tell when you get asked a question, I don't know, but I will find out. And then when you go back and you close the loop on that with an email, with a phone call, with a text, you're accountable. You admit that you don't know something. And even if you went down that path of trying to BS your way through something, people, people are going to see yeah. he's not authentic, he's not genuine. I, can can he be trusted for for a product or a service? So even if you it, your confidence gets just chiseled down a little bit, mm-hmm. I'll get you an answer. Let me come back to that. I think that we have to have that in our arsenal to ensure confidence. Well, and I think ev- while that might hurt the confidence a little bit, saying I don't know. <laughs> At least for me, whenever I try to just BS my way through it, by the end of that, I feel way less confident. <laughs> you know, it's like I can try to fake this, but I know after this, I'm gonna, I'm, I feel worse because I've just explained that I don't have any idea what's going on. Right, and if you can't get past that, I know that feeling you're describing. Been there, <laughs> yeah. done that. Yeah. If you can't get past that mental block, why did I just go on that rant? <laughs> you know what's going on right at that moment? The other person's talking. Mm-hmm. You're missing something. You're not in receive mode. It's like you're, you're in regret phase and you're beating yourself up. Meanwhile, hey, uh, the conversation's going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's another question coming your way or there's another comment coming your way. Um don't sit and dwell. So yeah. another reason not to to try and BS your way through it, admit that you'd like to come back to it. Can I give this more thought? Mm-hmm. It really shows like, I, I, and I tell people, when you say you don't know or can I give it more thought, it shows that you care about what this person is asking or saying and you want to give it your best hmm. thought in response to it. I don't have it in this moment, but I will. So I think that's important. Okay. Um, so the, this listening has come up several times, um, and it feels like a topic that's like, I don't know, it, it just feels like a given, you know, it feels like something like, oh, we're all listening, but like, not really, you know, like, yeah, I'm here, I, it's, I'm hearing you, I'm hearing all the things, but I'm not actually listening to it. What are, could, and, and you've mentioned active listening, what do you mean by that and how uh, – let's start there. 
What do, what do you mean by that? Two things, listening to learn and listening to build trust and empathy. So if I'm going to be on receive mode with you and I'm going to actively listening, I am going to set aside my own thoughts, biases, my quick responses, and I want to hear and learn what you think, what you're going through, what you have to share with me. And that means you come first, okay? You are more important uh, in this conversation so that I can learn you know, what it is that, 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 that you want to express. Most of the time, we are listening to respond, right? We yeah. are just waiting. When's this person going to stop talking? I have my When's point. it I have my, my point. turn? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. It goes on at work, it goes on at home. Um, un- unfortunately, when I walk in the door sometimes, I need to be on receive mode because uh, my wife wants to fill me in on the day, on the kids, on her work. And, um, I'm just not always mentally present, okay? And there is a difference between active listening, full receive mode versus either listening to respond or kind of the middle, the, the, the level two of listening is I'm listening, but I, I want to listen for a specific thing in there. Everything else is I don't care about, but aha, okay, there there I heard it. You're It's selective uh-huh. listening. Active listening is just you are fully open and on receive mode. Okay. Uh, and how how in the world do we get good at that? That feels very difficult. Like the, those listening to respond and listening to like show that you know what you're talking about or whatever mm-hmm. this is. Um, that feels like a really difficult, uh, what do we want to call it? Thing, uh, we'll just... That seems very difficult to break. Yeah, I similar to thinking how you are going to present information, okay? I used to block out 10 minutes, 15 minutes before a sales presentation in my old career, and it was to review what I wanted to go over. Now I, I block out more time so I can think about, hey, I'm going to prepare not only the, you know, the, the couple of real punchy points I want to get across, mm-hmm. But I want a little bit of preparation on I'm going to be an active listener in this meeting. I'm going to think about if I've met this person before, how they communicate with me, um, how are the, the, the points that they want to express, what do they do with their hands to really emphasize something? What am I going to look for to be a better listener? So I so you asked how, how to prepare. Well, make active listening part of your preparation. Um, going back to the the point about a sponge, you know, squeeze out the information that's pressing in your head, things that you need to accomplish. One of the things that I do is I turn this off. This is in- critically important. It's not on. I don't want this buzzing. I don't want this uh, even on silent mode. I don't want to be tempted to look at it. There's a, a Harvard business professor in one of her te- in a TED talks said, "This is the world's largest distraction magnet." I love this device. I also hate this device at the same time. Another thing to do about active listening is, um, you know, I think about things that my best possible product and service will be a tailored product and service. How do I get to a tailored product and service for you? That means I'm on receive mode. I'm using both of these ears 
in order to talk through my one mouth, and by the way, I think that ratio was made on purpose, two to one. Mm. Um, I My best possible product is going to be if I use the information you tell me and um, and go from there. I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. I also think that using qualifying questions, open-ended questions, gets you to that point. So if you think about the, the list of journalistic questions that they use, okay, they don't use a lot of dualistic, closed-ended questions, yes or no. You know, that really helps people unpack how they feel, and you'll probably find a pain point, what they want fixed, what they need to save time on. So... How to, how to be better at active listening, use those open-ended questions that begin with why, how, where, when. Those questions, those questions get people to really open up better than if you hit them with a lot of yes and no's. Okay. And are there any other, uh, like the thing that keeps coming to mind as we're talking about this is from uh, Never Split the Difference, this like mirror, these the concepts of mirroring and labeling and those types of things. Are those things that you should be trying, do those help in this situation or are they like at least little tricks to, um, to get you closer to that point quicker? Like, does that, does that make sense? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Can those be used to help expedite your, your learning of this active listening thing? Cause it, if you're, it's it's a difficult or uncomfortable thing to it, probably more difficult than uncomfortable, but to start trying to do more of. And really, you're the only one that knows if you're doing it. Um, yeah, you said mirroring and mirroring, labeling, some of those types of things. Yeah. Uh, maybe labeling not as much, but uh, and you yeah. talking about physically mirroring or no? Well, so one of the concepts is is both physically, but well, physically. Um, energy level, and then uh, also with um, using the same words. So, um, you know, to it, it, it drives this point of I'm I'm listening because I'm we're maybe it, maybe it's a word or a phrase or something. Um, yeah, yeah, I I really like that tool because it shows that you are listening down to the singular word in a full sentence. So earlier, I can't remember what word it was, but I said, oh, you used the word, and I forgot what it was at the time, but something jumped out to me in that sentence, and I wanted to grab it and unpack it mm -hmm. with you. So mirroring and using people's phrases and words that they used is, I think, a, um, a quality sign of active listening and being engaged. What I got better at over time was... Um, you know, I would hear somebody, uh, an office manager say, and, and we'd really like to change things up because people are wasting time and um, and, and we're not getting as much work done as, as we used to. So that's why, you know, we're exploring some new technology concepts. And what I got better at was saying, hang on a second. Um, can we just stay on that point about people are wasting time? Why did you say that? If you can grab what they say and then like open it up with mm -hmm. them using those open-ended questions, I really think that that is a move towards empathy and building trust. I mean, who do who do we buy from? People we like and we trust. Yeah. And and who do we like and trust? People that listen to us. So I like those concepts. I think they're important to to use um, during active listening. Well, and for me, that helps. It's easy to talk about, like saying to, uh, it helps to gamify, it almost like gamifies it for me, um, which 
isn't great, but it helps to at least learn to build the habit to then, okay, now I can actually do this thing. Um, but yeah, that like little tricks like that, or, or the little, um, just like you meant, like pick a, uh, pick a, um, a goal for the meeting. And that's what like attack that goal. Mm -hmm. And like, I can block everything out. It just, and maybe that doesn't work for everybody, but for me, like creating a little game out of it, it's, that's helped me a lot in becoming better with people, like try treating, is it the best way? Probably not, but it helps me. And now I can be, I don't have to gamify it anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I like that concept. I think that works. Um, so I, I, I use that as well, but I also leave a little room of, you know, Hey, I might have the, the, I might have to use the mental agility to go left or right on mm -hmm. something. I know I'm trying to accomplish this one thing, but depending on what they say, what they emphasize, um, or where you can just tell, Oh, that that's another pain point that needs to be, mm -hmm. uh, pulled a little bit here. Let's, let's go explore that as well. Um, I think that's a good game plan going in for, for listening. You know, there's, there's some, also some small tactical things that we can do to become better listeners. I mentioned the cell phone earlier. I didn't wear a watch today. I didn't want to be tempted to look at my watch while, you know, the camera's on me. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a small thing that, um, if, if, if you think you're tempted, um, to do that, especially in crucial conversations or critical conversations with an employee, do you want to be caught? looking at the, the clock several times or doing one of these, that really matters. So I think the watch and the cell phone, um, where you sit in a room matters. If your back is to the hallway where people are walking by, that helps you become a better listener so that when someone mm. comes by with flowers, if someone comes by with pizza boxes, if you see another employee leaving early, right? You're just going to say with your oh, body, wow. okay. boy, I'd like to go talk to that person. I'd rather not be here. So how, how and where you sit really matters. I also found um, that if we're at a table and we're having a, a conversation, not with microphones, but a CFO told me this one time, he comes around to the side and puts his chair next to the person. He removes the table barrier so that he is listening physically directly to the person's body that feels so uncomfortable yeah well <laughs> or he would he would just be right yeah. around the corner yeah, yeah, as yeah. opposed to there because yeah. it is a gesture hey i'm going to come in a little bit closer proximity um, i'm not going to have my computer screen in front of me also a very tempting device like the watch like the cell phone mm -hmm. um you know, computer screens need to be, you know, you know, lock the screen, close the laptop. Active listening really is also about your environment, too. Okay. The, I had not even considered that. That's, that's interesting. Um, but obviously that makes sense. Like, if I'm distracted, how am I listening? If there are things moving by me, how am I going to be um, actually, yeah. like, focused on everything that you're doing. I can be pretty focused, <laughs> but like if I've got flowers or an employee leaving early, like yeah. you mentioned, like, okay, well that's clearly going to catch my, catch my attention here. Can I add one more? Yeah. Um, a beam of light from our chest pointing our beam of light 
towards the person we're talking to. There's a great scene, well, it's, it's an ongoing scene in the movie The Social Network about Mark Zuckerberg when he's being sued by um, uh, some his former classmates and people he was working with. And during the, the, the scenes with his attorney and, and, and the, the other side, he's constantly turned away from them. He is not showing his beam of light towards them because he is not interested in what they're saying. In fact, he's repulsed by it. So he turns away from them. And active listening means like, hey, you get all of me. And I think that means like opening up your shoulders and pointing that beam of light at someone. And then if you're in front of more than one person, like on a panel and you're on a swivel chair, I think it matters to turn and this, I'm, I'm with this person now. Oh, this person has a question. And then this person hmm. over here has a question. You, you, I, I, the way I frame it is share your whole self with the other person, because if I got someone to the left of me and hopefully this is on the camera, you know, if I'm fielding questions over here and then I just do this over here to that person it's, hey, um, you're not worth it. Yes, I'll answer your question, but what matters is right here in front of me. Now, if you're talking to the president of an organization, the person who signs on the line, they get a little bit more of your beam of light. But if there are equals around the room, I need to address that person over here as equally as I did right in front of me or to this side. So I like to t talk about the beam of light that you need to share with everybody that you're talking to. Okay. Um, so that kind of brings me to this this idea of um, well body language definitely, um, but also kind of tone and and how some of those things can be used. But um, body language is obviously important, and it's it's maybe more common to think about now. But I still think it's like a it's definitely second, like verbals and li like. That is all still first when I'm thinking about communication. But is that actually the most important piece? Like how much are we really learning and and maybe subconsciously taking in from from body language and how important actually is that? I think body language is more important than the verbal words we're using. Um, I don't know the exact percentages. I've looked at a lot of different studies, but I think all of them um, – the, the the most important factor in, in how we listen and communicate and, and read somebody is in the, the nonverbals compared to what's being said. So I do think it is actually more important than the words coming out of my mouth. Um, you know, I it, it's 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 the whole body experience. Yeah. You know, these nonverbals matter from our forehead down to our feet and how well we're engaged, how well we're listening um, really matters what we're doing with 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 our entire body, and it is also critical to as you are reading the person that you are pitching that you are selling to as a small business owner, you can look for signs of interest and disinterest. You know they're going to tell you uh, non-verbally unless they are truly so stoic <laughs> that they don't show <laughs> truths. That uh, And there's very few people like that. And even if you do come across someone that you can't read, boy, that's when you use those open-ended qualifying questions uh -huh. and those, those, those journalist uh, uh, questions. But look, I, I think I mentioned earlier, our body oozes the truth. 
So as we are engaged with someone, I am watching their hands. I'm watching when they come in towards me at the table. I'm watching when they disengage. One of the most important features I learned when I was briefing people and and senior level government officials was when they would, you know, grab their pen and start taking notes. Okay, what I just said really matters compared to the previous five minutes where they weren't taking notes. Um, When people just slightly turn, tilt their head, Okay, they 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 or if they do something with their eyes and they they kind of scrunch their eyes a little bit, it it usually indicates a sign of, well, that's fascinating or that's interesting. Um, so, reading the person and then our own nonverbals probably matter more than the words coming out of our mouth. Okay. So <laughs> how can so here's what's. Strange. Well, not strange about that. How that if so? If I get really good at reading that, or if I'm so what? Maybe what's probably better is when I'm starting to try to get better at these things. That feels like it could be a little overwhelming. Like, like I'm I'm trying to watch everything you're doing, and now I'm seeing okay. Like it it feels like that could be difficult to actually get points across that like it feels like a how can i how can i learn to 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 view these things better without becoming completely lost in it like are there any tricks to that um because if i'm like okay well he's doing this now like what am i now i'm out of the the listening i'm only focused on these things how can i how can i get better at these Well, I think first and foremost, we talked about the sponge earlier, you know, in order to almost empty yourself of some of the other thoughts, ideas, concerns that we have, everything that's going on. Look, in in order for us to be on receive mode, to to hear and listen to them and then pick up what they're doing with their hands, their eyes going on, it is a lot. So, okay, let's just let's let's reemphasize that point of going into a, a meeting and being on receive mode. Now, one of the things that I like to do is take notes. And if you can uh, have that mental agility, and sometimes this takes time, but um, I, uh, you know, if you can take notes and maybe even some little codes, um, when there's a point of emphasis that somebody makes that's very important to them, I use a star, I use an exclamation point, I circle something I need to come back to. You know, use that notebook to help manage all this information that's coming at you because you're hearing it, you're seeing it. And the other thing is, uh, you know, to stop and, and ask questions along the way. Um, you know, I, I often cite movies and TV shows, but we have so much to learn from them. In the, in the movie uh, The Big Short, Steve Carell's character is constantly telling people, wait, 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 hold on a second, hold on a second. Why did you just say so- something? Mm-hmm. Or... Wait, 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 why is that? Um, we, we're in, we're, we've got all this data coming at us. If you can take almost like a little bit of a timeout or go back to something you missed, ask the question. So you can be mentally prepared. You can take notes. You can ask questions to help almost do like a little bit of a reset in mm-hmm. your mind. And then you can come back to something. So don't be afraid to, to utilize some of these tools. And here's the other thing, too. If, if you find it difficult to watch the arms, the eyes, and listen, and you're just you're, you're, uh, overburdened with information, um, 
you know, just dial it back on, on what you want to look for. And, 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 you know, otherwise you're not going to get anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then that becomes the only thing you're thinking about. And then, so, but I, I think another thing that could be helpful is don't try to do these things. Don't try to get better at these things in just important conversations. Like, Again, this idea, like, to try to gamify, like, okay, I'm going out with my friends tonight. (laughs) Okay, tonight, I'm just focusing on eyes. Like, let's try to learn about this. I don't know if this is a good idea, like, that I'm, that I'm pitching right now, but, but trying to, trying to get better at, at paying attention to those things when it's not super important. So then that when that, when those other times come, then it's more natural. I've already, okay, cool. Like I'm decent at eyes now. Like, yeah. all right, great. Now let's worry about hands today. And, um, that might be a way to simplify some of these things so that you're not going into your next business. You're not your next pitch meeting, trying to focus on everything. Like, all right, I just listened to the podcast. Everything's important. Oh wow! I just blew this meeting because I'm not paying attention to. I'm trying to pay attention to everything, and now I'm not focused on anything. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a great point. We've got all these opportunities to read body language and, and practice. You know, at home I have a teenager. If the teenager is by herself, you know, maybe maybe she's not real talkative to her dad. When the teenager is with other teenagers, okay. They are going to be talking, and, 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 and I'm going to learn things that I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. So my ears pick up. But at home, if it's just like uh, her and me, uh, and she doesn't have any friends around, I do kind of watch her body language and her, her, her hands and her eyes a little bit. Um, she's really good at, at putting her, her arm on her side and kind of doing <laughs> that what, right? Okay, so non-verbally. Um, I'm watching more often when she's alone, but boy, when, when, when a group of teenagers get together, they're very talkative. Um, I, if I can bring up football for a second, it's fascinating to watch football because you can tell oftentimes um, if there's a play in review and the ref has, hasn't made the announcement, but he tells the coach. You can you can tell the the, the 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 nonverbal from the coach. He likes what's coming, or he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Or let's say a defensive back breaks up a play, and he comes up with just the utmost confidence and does the incomplete sign and high fives a teammate. He doesn't think a flag is coming, or maybe he's faking it. Right? If that defensive back comes up and he starts <laughs> doing the, they can throw a flag on that. Okay, he doesn't have as much self confidence. Yeah, uh, and, and his nonverbals are telling me. He thinks he probably committed a foul. So um, we've just got all these opportunities to get better at, I think, to, to practice. And then when it's go time in sales, yeah, yeah you, can, you can get better at this over time. Yeah, and I guess this might be a little bit of a weirder way to do it. But um, just when you're out, actually, like, do a little people watching. You know, like, you can get a – don't be a creep. But like you can be a, a you can get some people watching in and, and just start if you're if you're bad at these like if you're really starting from a point of I have no idea how to read people right like, all right well, let's go just walk around Walmart and see like how are people interacting like mm-hmm. what are what are what's going on in their face what are they doing with their hands what what's happening in these conversations. Um, yeah, at restaurants. Yeah. Okay. Well, restaurants is probably better than like a grocery store, but yeah, because now you are in, uh, especially if you're there with with one or more people, um, you have to engage. Now, hopefully, their their cell phones are down, and you can watch. Like, 
is that a couple on their first date? As is, is my a, favorite game to play. Yeah, right? <laughs> Sarah it, and I like, play it all the time. <laughs> um, how about this one? That's a set of parents that's out without the kids for the first time in a long time, <laughs> and they're just glad that they're not, you know, keeping someone from throwing French fries at each other. So, um, yeah, at a restaurant, that's that's a great opportunity to watch hands, to watch the body language. Are they leaning in? Are they doing a little bit of like, I'm trying to figure out this other person, right? Mm-hmm. First date. First date, second date. Um, how about this? You know, one one of the two people are really interested in being there, and the other person isn't. I can't get enough of this people watching. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, yeah, and and it can be a good tool to try to get better. And like, yeah, yeah, that's a good way to. Uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, if you're if you're bad. It could be a great starting point for you. Um, yeah. Uh, everyone can learn to pick up on it and improve your own mm-hmm. nonverbals. Yeah. Everyone can. Um, it just it takes a little bit of like, uh, you know, you have to choose to. Yeah. yeah. And you can do it in bits and pieces, and it doesn't have to be at work. It can be outside of work. But just start start watching the hands, the yeah. shoulders. Um, it, it's, it's all around you. Yeah. It's there for the taking if you want to start picking up on these things. Yeah. Um, okay, so next up, uh, this like fidgeting and 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 this kind of this definitely relates relates to the body language thing, but um, fidgeting and and doing um, just not being comfortable in the situations. I'm guessing that's what that is. But what are we telling people if we're super fidgety, or is that just you know a uh, like a comfort mechanism? Like, what are we telling mm. people? And is that something that needs to be overcome? Um, this might be similar to the, uh, like the, the fillers where it's, it's okay in bits, but if it becomes distracting, now we've got an issue. Yeah. I immediately thought of clicky pens um, and the importance of not having a writing utensil that you can either twist or click to make a noise. It, it's worth saying that we need to baseline people. How do they normally sit and what is their baseline posture and physical activity? Because there are fidgety people in the world. There are people who sit like a statue and they don't move. Okay, so if we're going to baseline someone, we're going to learn how they often sit. Uh, my wife often has her arms crossed. It, she is not in confrontational mode with me she just uh, that's how she's comfortable so let's yeah. set the stage here that people have a baseline and then from there that makes a ton of sense from there they have certain activities where oh i just saw an anomaly mm-hmm. they liked what i said or they didn't like what i what i said um Look, if, if, if you are a, a fidgety person and you do want to come across more as, as confident, calm, um, you know, this also starts with practice and having something in our hands like one of those stress balls. Um, you can also watch yourself. You can watch other people and you can pick up on, I want to start doing that more or I want to shed, I want to, I, I want to shed that bad uh, habit. Uh-huh. So look, if to, to, to fidget, I think is okay, especially if it's within that mode of, okay, they just don't sit still often. And then from there, my mind goes like, are they highly caffeinated? <laughs> are they one of those people who are naturally caffeinated with energy 
all day long, and those pe- I'm so fascinated yeah. by those people. Um, but look, everyone has a has a baseline. That's a that's a really good point. Yeah, let's look for that and understand it because when they'll show you changes mm-hmm. from the baseline. Okay, that makes. I had not even. I just imagined like, oh well, I'm a fidgeter. That's saying that's something, you know. Mm-hmm. But if that is the base, uh, that's such a that's such a good observation. Um, yeah, a, a really smart uh, professional who worked in the intelligence business and for corporate America really made that point to me. I consider him a mentor, and he's one of the best people uh, people persons I've ever met. And in the totality of communication, verbal, nonverbal mm-hmm. listening, and and it's one of the things that he really seized on and was very good at in order to um, to help me understand. Okay, someone's moving a little bit more in their seat compared to the person next to them. Okay, don't don't take that as face value that they're nervous or they want to get out of there. Let's let's take a moment to to understand how they naturally sit or how they naturally present themselves. Now, let's let's take for a moment for small business owners though, if they want to cut out, you know, what they're doing, something with their hands or their shoulders, you know, there's a lot of good material out there on confident presenting and confident body language to include, you know, what to do with our hands. Where where do we put them? What should they be doing? And, you know, there's there's a few pictures that I use that really show when you're standing up um, you know, when you're presenting in front of one or more people, what are the best postures? And some postures give off confidence and, and being calm and others um, less so. Yeah. And, and you can, these, there's a lot of resources out there that, that people can learn from. Well, so when you're reading other, like whoever you're speaking to, though, if this is the first time I've met – so, okay, so – I'm in a I'm trying to pitch this person for uh for the first time. How how can I distinguish what is their baseline and what is just their like I've never met you before. I've got 20 minutes with you. That seems you might just be I don't know, you might just be anxious the whole time or like how I don't know, maybe maybe this isn't as important for small business owners because we're not trying to maybe you're not trying to become the like the best person at, or the best reader, but I don't know. Does that like, how, how can you get through the, like, how can you find the baseline if you're only interacting with someone during stressful times? You know, if you beat that per someone for the first time, that baseline of, of how they are is to be determined. Yeah. So you may not know. I, I would suggest for that person to look for quick changes Okay, that opportunity where someone gives you a nonverbal, whoa, you do that, okay, and you'll see it in their face, their shoulders, or um, if you are walking through, you know, again that that three part series Uh that you want to present, they're in, and you'll you'll see where they're interested in one point that you're making, less so on another. Okay, that's gonna. I'm picking up on that. I'm not going to address that as much, but maybe I come back to that other point when they came in and leaned in towards me. They did one of the. They looked to their colleague or their business partner and did one of those hmm, uh, things that people do with their eyes, with their mouth. Okay, maybe you don't huh. get their baseline, but people are going to show you signs of interest and disinterest. You got to look for it. Okay, so these are all. 
these are all different tools and different things to pick up, not all at once. And they might be all at once, but it doesn't have to be, it's not an all or nothing thing. You can, like you, like you just said, like it might be something with your eyes. It might be something different, but you don't, there's not like a, um, it doesn't have to be all or not. You're not reading everything and there's like, okay, well, this is the baseline. Like this is how you, this person is. You're, you're picking up everything individually. If that, kind of makes sense. I don't know if I explained that yeah, well, but I, it's, it, I, it's, this isn't a lot of these concepts that we've been talking about. I don't think it's a light switch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you asked about a lot of your questions are about practicing. How do you get better at, okay. Um, if someone's listening to this in, entire discussion, what they should do is, is gravitate towards a concept and idea that, that we had here and choose to go look for it and try and get better at it. And look, there's a lot of things that we've been discussing. Um, can you can you light switch all of them all at once? No, but I can go out and start recognizing signs of interest and disinterest. I can take the time to video record myself talking for 10 minutes and I will find things that I like that I do and things that I want to work on. So, you know, going back to the point about a journey, take steps and improve how you are presenting material, how well you are listening, um, how well you are presenting your nonverbals and how much confidence you are expressing with your eyes, your face, your hands, and then also how, how well you are picking up on that. Um, we have an endless amount of opportunity to learn around us. Yeah. So, okay, um, outside of normal business hours, we are still going to have these learning opportunities. We discussed them a little earlier. Yeah. Uh, okay, so anything um, – there were a couple of these scenarios and based on – yeah, we'll hop into these. Um, you've got to be out of here at 12, right? I'm okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a couple scenarios that I – and we've kind of been touching on them the whole time. Um, but I, I want to be a little bit more specific in how we can approach some of these things just so that we've got something to um, – something that actually, you know, specifically relates to people that are, uh, that are listening. So, um, we've got a, a, a situation with a, um, an employee or a, a customer that is unhappy. Um, <clears throat> how can we use all of, all of these different topics that we've talked about, uh, to approach these conversations and whether that's preparing for the conversation with, with three bullet points or, or three, uh, in the three segments, like how can we go into this, into this situation? Let's use the, um, let's use a, a customer. Um, and maybe it's the same for a poor perform, like a, a, a difficult customer or difficult employee situation. Maybe those are the same preparation, but how can we kind of use all of these things that we've talked about, prepare for it and then execute during the, the, this meeting. I think it begins with quality questions, okay? Yeah, you might have a presentation or some points you want to uncover. But if we're talking about um, an unhappy customer or it's an employee performance issue, we need to go in with open-ended questions to learn what is going on from their point of view, what their pain points are, um, and and try to pull the thread on, on what happened and why. So active listening comes into play. Really clearing your mind of, of other information, squeezing the sponge to get ready for that conversation so that you can be in full receive mode. Um, you know, your body language, 
matters. Are you going to be on receive mode? Are you going to be like physically open with your body to say, um, I, I, I welcome your information. You don't want to give off little signs of disinterest or I don't believe you. Um, and so, so I think that matters. Um, one of the things that we can verbalize that I think really matters is phrases that begin with what I'm hearing is, okay. Another one is, um, I, I'm, I'm sensing that fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Cause what that does is I'm going to prove to you that I've, I've listened to you, but I want to have absolutely clarity on the issue. And, and that's, you know, repeating back using their words, but in another format so that there is no possible way that the problem can be misinterpreted. We now have identified the issue. So I think that it, 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 it's, it's everything we've talked about, the nonverbals, the asking of the questions, listening, and, and making sure that our environment is set up to listen well. And so, okay, so that covers these times when we've got some time to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. How about when it's something that just happens? Is there, how can we get into that? Um, how can we handle those situations in a way that is not detrimental to the, either the relationship or to the employee? Or like, is there a way to, other than just getting better at those things, like just getting better at handling adversity, I guess. But how can, when those things just pop up, is there, are there any little tricks that we've got to handle those situations with, um, yeah, how, how can we handle those better? In that type of scenario, I think it's important to state explicitly, I would like to um, handle this, fix it, whatever, whatever verb yeah. is, is, is needed in the scenario right now. This is important to me. I can, and if it's the kind of the customer thing, I can see it's very important to you. Um, and it matters that, that, that we pay attention to this or that I pay attention to this right now. If it, you know, same goes for the employee performance issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking of all the times where, you know, raising kids, I let something linger and the, the tough conversation 24 or 48 hours later would have been better handled in the moment. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about ripping off the Band-Aid in a professional, courteous, but firm manner, firm manner so that the, the, the person understands that either their problem is going to be fixed and addressed or, you know, if, if it's employee performance. Um, we do things in a better way here. Here's how and why we do that. And, and I, I want to make that point about why because the younger generation – is needing that why more and more, mm-hmm. more so than uh, the older generations in the workforce. Uh, when walking through a little bit more of the how and why we're doing things here is more common. It's not for everybody, but it's more common in some of the younger generations than, than the older ones. Okay. Um, okay. So I feel like we've covered the preparing for a pitch or a prospective client or anything like that pretty well. Um, How and and I, we also touched on the um, networking events already, um, but let's let's see. Well, actually, here's a one that we haven't covered at all. Do these things 
carry over to marketing. And they might they might just come across very different. Like they they because you're you're probably leaning towards more like video and for um, and like copy, but. Do should you be carrying over the same concepts to marketing? And maybe that's not something that that we want to that we want to tackle. But I'm sure there's some things that that can can relate. You know, one of the tools in presenting information is just keeping it as simple as possible. Simple is digestible. Mm-hmm. Simple can be memorable. I often look at um, companies' mission statement, and I kind of measure. How, how, how many abstract words and concepts they use versus a, a very concrete thing that they do make or provide. And I always, this is me, I gravitate towards simple and concrete uh, compared to mission statements that are two and three sentences long. Lofty and don't yeah. really mean anything. A couple of bullet points. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, somebody put it this way. Um, um, they made the suggestion. They were, they were marketing specialists, and it was it was I think it was in technology, but it said something like there was a two or three sentence mission statement, and they said, "Well, how about this? We provide computers fast," and that's you know simplicity in marketing. And, and there's marketing specialists who yeah. will know more than me, than me about this, but. I'm always interested and gravitate towards something that is shorter than, than, than longer. And also, do I understand it in very clear terms mm-hmm. what you do? We clean airplanes. Um, you know, uh, you know, we, we make your, 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 your airplanes, um, you know, more, um, they run faster and better with our service or something like that. Yeah. You know, I, I just, when people have to think about it, you start to lose them. Yeah, well, that's there's a uh, Alex Hermosi. Um, I forget the title of his book, but I've followed on uh, him on Instagram, and he's got this. He I actually just this week shared this video with a friend of mine, but it's he says like people, most people, like in general, don't read beyond a. It's like a sixth grade level. That's the the average, and people that do read above that. You don't you don't want to spend your your brain power processing that like simplify things. Make things yeah. as simple as possible. Obviously there's that can be to a maybe to a detriment, but simplify, make things understand easily understandable. Um, and then you're accessible to, to more people also. Maybe that doesn't work for and this is more on the marketing side, but I think it, it even it does carry over to if you're making a pitch or or handling customers. If or or employees, if you're employees, if you're trying to come across as, you know, I've got all these all these words and concepts that I'm using, but they don't understand it. That doesn't do anybody any good because now you've got people that don't actually understand what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, simplicity in an era where, if we can go back to receiving more information faster, mm-hmm. I think uh, it really make it doubles down on the importance that you have a simple message that people understand and can remember it. Okay. Probably more so than, than 20 years ago, than 30 years ago when people weren't carrying around their cell phone and, and, and scrolling through several websites or getting their news from headlines on, on Instagram. Um, you know, I often wonder, you know, if we were having this conversation 40 years ago, were, were people, you know, were people processing, 
you know, information a little bit slower and having more drawn out conversations, right? But today, uh, I just think there's a premium on telling an effective message in a short, concise way where people understand, okay, now I understand what Bradley does. It, he is the guy that does this. Yeah. And when I need this, he's the guy I call. Yeah. Um, okay. I feel like we've covered, we've covered a lot. Um, any other, anything that we haven't touched on with communication for the business owners that are, that you think should be, should be covered before we, before we wrap up? I'll suggest a book for, for people who want to really think about how they are presenting information. There's, there's a book called Made to Stick by the Heath Brothers, Made to Stick, a real short title. There are some fascinating concepts in there for marketing, but also when we are in front of people and we have a message about what Chitwood does or about what you do, um, it really breaks it down into telling compelling stories or credible voices or telling something unexpected where, um, you know, people get hooked by a story that's unexpected. They have that wow moment. Mm-hmm. They have a light bulb moment. Um, I refer to that book quite a bit and I reread it because, you know, we talked a lot about how to format information, how to capture and keep attention. But the content itself, um, there's a lot of good tools in that book. And I'm always listening to and trying to read about people who tell captivating and very memorable stories. And I grab those tools and I use it in my own work. I think there's when we have our ears up and we're very attentive to what's going around us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, you know, there's 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 a suite of tools out there right at our fingertips and what we're watching and listening to. Yeah. And I encourage people to, to have that awareness and, and grab concepts and ideas that, that help them tell a more effective and memorable story in their small business. Okay. Yeah, that's um, – I feel like we didn't really get into the content side, and I think that might be a good uh, second episode at some point if you're <laughs> open to it. But um, I didn't tell that on purpose. But, yeah, if we can do that again sometime, yeah. there's just – Yeah, I think that would be a good one. There's a lot of value in thinking and critically about, okay, how do I express this? Um, and, and that's a, that, that book is a great starting point for small business owners, I think. Okay. Um, anything else before we go? Thank you. That's, that's what I have. Thank you very much for having me. For sure. Uh, any, uh, where can, where can everybody find you? Um, websites, all that. Sure. Chitwoodcommunications.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, under Chitwood and also Jeremy Wiedenhofer. And uh, yeah, please reach out. You know, I've, I've one of the, the short, simple messages that I try to reinforce is, you know, for, for, for groups, for students and for businesses that want to improve these areas. You talk, I'll listen and I'll develop a, a tailored plan. One, two, three. Mm-hmm. And so people ask, like, well, how does this work? And I, and, and, and I just tell people, I'll listen to what you're working on and what you want to get better at. Um, so you talk, I'll do the listening and then you'll get a tailored plan. Awesome. Um, all those links will be down in the description. Um, yeah, links to all of that will be down there. Thank you for coming on. I was looking forward to this one. Um, and yeah, uh, like share this with, uh, all of your friends that are maybe could use some, some improvement or, um, or yourself. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening and watching and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, watching, wherever you're consuming this. I'm your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way. 
a resource for small business owners.